1: Love Talk Radio.
2: Hello, welcome to the seventh week, episode number seven of Thyroid Nation Radio live talk show and podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com.
0: And I'm Tiffany Maladnich of GratefulGarden.biz.
2: Also known as Dana and Tiffany, bring you the voices of thyroid advocates. Clinicians, bloggers, and thyroid drivers everywhere.
0: <laughs> In just a few minutes, we'll be talking live with the lovely Robin Arut or Arut. I'm sorry, Robin. I've, I'm proper pronunciation there. Holistic health coach, herbalist, and functional nutrition expert. So excited, aren't you, Dana?
2: Oh my gosh, she.
0: She's just so lovely to talk to on the phone and I
2: say Robin Arute, but gosh, I don't even know. We'll have to ask her. I might have been saying her <laughs> name wrong this whole time. And I hate that because, you know, my name's Dana with two N's and of course no one ever got that
0: right when I was growing up, so
1: we will
2: <laughs> ask her, make sure we got it right.
0: Yes, okay, we should. And we can offer we an apology and goose um, up.
2: Yes, totally. Um, <laughs> and just a few things before we get started. Uh, we hope you tuned in last week to hear the fabulous Andrea Beeman. If you missed it, you can always listen to it in the archives on thyroidnation.com slash radio. She was wonderful and fabulous. It was another flower field moment for both Tiffany and I. She just, We just talked right up until the end, and I think we even got cut off, right? At the very end, we didn't say all the things we were supposed to say. We because did. We, we just missed let her, her talk. whole
0: closing. <laughs> we did, because she was just...
2: So wonderful. We are going to have her back on. Do not worry. You can also see the wonderful lineup of innovative guests we have scheduled on Thyroid Nation Radio page. If you go there, you will see the upcoming guests. For instance, Dana Trentini, Hypothyroid Mom, is on next Sunday live. And we have a fabulous guest, Carol Gray, author Carol Gray, one of our thyroid thrivers. We have Mary Showman's coming on. We have Dr. Uh, Holtz, Dr. Holtorf, uh, just tons of great guests. And you'll see the list and lineup and dates and everything if you go to the page. So don't very forget cool. to do that.
0: And always a very, very big, big thank you to our amazing Thyroid Nation Radio team of advisors. This show would just not fly with all their love and support and Hugs and questions and guidance and just, uh, these are amazing women. Raina Crans, Laura Shuneman, Melissa Phipps, Blythe Clifford, Penny Jensen, Sarah Downing, and Marissa Ravello. Please check out their bios, Thyroid Thriver stories, groups, blogs, websites, and support groups uh, on their little bios on ThyroidNation.com radio. Okay, Dana? Yeah. I would say let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving, but I don't see Robin on the call there, so we should just chit-chat. Oh.
2: <laughs> well, we'll just keep talking, and I'm just gonna. We um, will. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep talking. I'll message her because I just saw she was online. Yeah,
0: well, she's we go, right trying to figure be. out um, how to call in. How to call in? Not yeah. a big deal. Um,
2: I was gonna talk about our um, our girls, our team, for just a minute because you know they really do help us, and and I. Put together this group because these are people that I met online. None of us have ever met in person, that I know of. But we, um, they are such great support. And what's so great about it? We have seven of them, and and then Tiffany and I makes nine. But everybody's busy. We all have lives. We all have things. We all have stuff going on. Like there's spring break for one one week, and spring break for another for an, another time. You know, some some of them don't have kids, and some of them do have kids, and some of them are doing Easter egg hunts at this very moment. And so, you know, it's really great because we have such a, a variety of people uh, on the team that, that can really help and support. Sometimes we have every single one of them online, and sometimes we have one or two or three. So it's really great. I feel really lucky.
0: Don't you? Yes. Oh, yeah, I mean, just think about the word support. You and I both have had big weeks where, you know, support is such a key thing um, in anything, life, illness, friends, and I see her right now. Yeah. Robin, can you hear us okay? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Good morning. Wonderful. Hello. (laughs) Hello.
3: Nice to be here. How are you this morning? (laughs) I'm great. I'm great. Doing well. It's a a rainy day here in Austin, but all is well.
0: (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So you're rainy and cloudy and and, on today, But it's great for the
3: wildflowers because we're in wildflower season right now and it's absolutely beautiful. So we love when it rains because it makes them last longer. (laughs) Yes. I can definitely identify that here in Joshua
0: Tree, too.
2: Mm-hmm. I forget about that there it is a uh, wildflower and like the blue bonnets and things and people are posting all these pictures and it makes me miss home Texas mm-hmm. sometimes so much because people really do they go and they take these most, most amazing pictures and they have them on Facebook and I'm like
3: oh oh look at that one. Oh,
2: <laughs> so you're right yeah. that's funny I forgot about that Robin oh that's great
0: Dana your hometown well, of Robin how far are you guys apart in Texas? We Santa, would have been
2: like three and a half hours.
0: Yeah.
3: Oh mm-hmm. wow, not
0: too far at all,
3: huh? In Texas, that's around no, the right corner.
0: <laughs>
3: oh, that's kind of yeah. cool. I'm on the
0: phone with two Texans
3: today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not a native. I'm a transplant. I'm originally from the Northeast. I grew up in Connecticut. <laughs> but oh wow. I've been here, been here a long time. Yeah, and I love it. So. How did you people end up from the northeast of Connecticut or to Texas? Well, that's a good question. I actually bounced around quite a bit. I used to call myself a professional nomad as a young adult by choice. I moved around a lot just to explore different things. And I found myself living in Mexico for a couple of years. And when it came oh, wow. time to move back to the States, um, I knew I wanted something south and warm and different pace. So uh, I chose Austin. I always really loved Austin. So I just chose here, and it worked. So I've been here ever since. It's been
2: great. How long ago was that? I know we've talked about that before, Robin. How long ago was that that you were in Mexico for those couple of years?
3: I was in Mexico from 2006 to 2008, and I moved okay. to Austin in 2008. hmm
2: yeah. Wow, God, oh, that was that's not too far from when we moved here from Texas to Costa Rica. That's pretty cool. Okay, that well, is pretty us,
3: cool. Tell us,
2: tell us about your um, a little bit about you, and we also need to know your thyroid story. So, you've got the floor, lady.
3: <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, uh, Dana and I met through just both being so involved in the thyroid community, as you all know. Um, Dan and Tiffany do some incredible work bringing information and community out to people, and I've just always loved what you do. Um, And I am a health coach now, so this is really my life is, you know, helping people, helping to guide people in really taking ownership of their health and learning how to take ownership of their health. Um, I think there's so many folks out there who are feeling really powerless and really helpless in the... The medical world, trying to navigate that and get what they need and, and feel better. Um, so, as a as a non medical health professional, I really help people almost as a navigator. You know, so I, I help them get the most out of their medical appointments, <laughs> um, ask the right questions, get what they need on the medical side, and then on the supplemental side, on the on the rest of it. Uh, I help people to really take the best care of their health that they can, and specifically with thyroid and adrenal problems. So that has been very much my own path. Um, I had a long-term, call it a long-term illness, but I guess one could call it a condition as well. I'm pretty sure that I was low thyroid even as a late teen and in my early adulthood, and I was always interested in health and holistic health, and I was reading and researching and thinking, something seems off here. (laughs) And I had some symptoms that at that point I really was having a harder time articulating and there just wasn't the Internet and there wasn't uh, a solid way to to prove anything. Um, But I I knew something was off. And in the early 90s, kind of the the nutshell version here, (laughs) in the early 90s um, after college, I decided to go to herbalism school and become a clinical herbalist. Uh, which was just something seen as really way out (laughs) by um, some friends and loved ones. But, you know, I was like, okay, she's she's into that, whatever that is. Um, And (laughs) being in school, right, I mean, back then even Ganesha or Ginger or anything like that was seen as strange. Um, But I felt drawn to it, so I followed that. And in doing so, you know, taking anatomy and physiology and and all these other classes started to really – bone up on the research uh, of what was going on with my own health. And I really knew then that something was up. And, of course, at that point, really, it was all all about the TSH test. <laughs> of course, I had had that, and that was, quote, unquote, normal. So everything was, um, you know, written off as, well, it's certainly not thyroid then. And as we know, when one hormonal system is out of whack, it, it causes, imbalances in the others over time if you wait long enough. And so after some other real adrenal challenges and reproductive hormone challenges, um, things finally started to break down to a point where I knew I needed additional support more over and above the herbal stuff that I was trying to do. Um, then the icing on the cake was getting Lyme disease, which was... I can joke about it now, but Lyme disease is actually quite serious. And having grown up in Connecticut, you know, I probably was carrying that for many years. But um, I went from a pretty active, athletic, working full time, doing too much, the whole thing, um, young adult to at many points being bedridden and having to call neighbors in to walk my dog and um, was really quite sick. So that was really the turning point for me in starting to look at health, differently. So I was doing all this quote-unquote alternative stuff on one side but still really looking for answers solely in the medical community because at that point what I had I knew was significant. And I tried doing things all well naturally. I tried doing things just allopathically and what really finally worked for me was taking the best of both and incorporating those in a way where I was really giving my whole body full support Um, to do what it had to do. And and with the Lyme, I did have um, some medical, you know, treatment and intervention there. Um, But that's something that's really hard to kick and really hard to ultimately feel better from. And I'm very happy to say that, you know, I feel better now than I ever have. (laughs) And uh, I've been healthy for many years. And um, that really, threw my thyroid and my adrenals, for a loop, so Lyme can manifest that way. So it was not Hashimoto's. I did not have autoimmune presence with my um, thyroid problem, but I did have this other sort of wrench in there, which was an infectious situation, which some people have and are also not diagnosed with. So, um, yeah, it was really about taking apart the pieces, looking at what's going on, what are the pieces that need to be addressed, and... As I say, working on the whole system. You know, this, when you work on the systems and help the body in a foundational way rather than just trying to, um, you know, plug leaks, so to speak, you really can fix a lot of things at once. Um, and that's what ultimately works for me. And that's what I guide other people with now, with thyroid, adrenal, and I do do support for Lyme disease, but um, my Lyme disease clients also need to be um, being seen by a medical professional because that's one that that really does require that attention.
0: Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's intense. when you say
2: Lyme, When you say lime, I just like I just turn into this. I don't know because I know I know so many people. Like just recently, like it seems to be. I don't maybe because I'm. I'm hearing it more. It feels more prevalent. Maybe it's the same amount of people that have it that have had it. I don't know. But, wow, it just seems like there's so many people that have it. And it really doesn't seem like a very easy thing to kick. Right. It
3: If you catch it instantly, if you catch it when you – if you're lucky enough to know that you've been bitten – and you have that, you know, signature bullseye rash, which only happens some of the time, right? That's not a given. Um, but if you catch that and it's an immediate um, response to a new infection, it's actually not too hard to uh, deal with it. The, the challenge is when you don't know you've been bitten. Um, it can go into sort of a dormancy stage. Sometimes people will get a flu-type sickness. They never attach that to the possibility of a tick bite. Um but, you know, when we were kids, we'd come in from playing out in the woods and pull the ticks off ourselves and the dogs and, you know, get something to eat. It <laughs> wasn't a big deal, right? But, you know, later we learned that that was uh, probably not a great situation. But if if it, if you don't catch it, meaning you don't have, you don't know that you were bitten, you don't necessarily have symptoms, it can go dormant. And when it does resurface, if it resurfaces, um, then, yes, it can be um very challenging neurologically and otherwise, and, and difficult to address. But I, if any of your listeners are interested in learning more about that, um, I definitely recommend the website, ILADS, org. That's a wonderful clearinghouse for great information, information on Lyme disease. Unfortunately, Lyme, just like thyroid, is highly politicized, um, and there are interests you know, at work of wanting to not acknowledge the prevalence of Lyme disease uh, because it's misdiagnosed as so many other things and medicated for so many other things. There are reasons to not want to acknowledge that that Lyme exists. Um, And there are websites that look like Lyme activist websites, but they're actually websites that are, you know, owned by, the people who want to not acknowledge that Lyme is real, or that uh, you know ongoing Lyme disease, chronic Lyme is real. So you have to be very careful with oh, really? your information. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty interesting thing. There's a film, there's a documentary um, also, and I believe you can watch it in its entirety online uh, called Under Our Skin. And um, while I think it oversimplifies the solution a little bit, it, it does the, the people that they follow in that film. All sort of miraculously get better when they get on a good cocktail of antibiotics, and that does yeah. happen for some people um that doesn't always happen the first try <laughs> for many others um but it's a phenomenal film in really identifying what the political interests are, why it's so hard to catch um so i I recommend you know folks see that see that film. Wow. Okay, but well, yeah, I mean that said, it doesn't mean everyone who thinks they have it has it. Um, but it definitely is more prevalent than than many of us know.
0: Well, and if they're if they're lacking okay. some answers in their healing, you know, that's definitely you know something to rule out. You know, especially if if there's not a, you know, they're not healing well or completely, or you know, kind of one of those uh, Epstein Barr type situations where you want to know if it's there or not.
3: You're exactly right, and this is something. That's kind of a hard um, hard nut to crack, and it's hard to bring up because, um, again, similar to the parallels are just amazing, right? But sometimes people, as you know, are given minimal testing for thyroid disease um, or thyroid imbalance, as I often call it. Um, You know, TSH, maybe TSH and free T4, it's within a normal range. They're told they're fine, and then the attempts at diagnoses move on to something else. Um, and of course, they continue to not feel well because they they didn't they weren't properly diagnosed uh, with Lyme disease. The most common tests at the regular labs, if you go to you know Quest or LabCorp, um, are maybe 30% accurate at best. Oh my gosh, so, are you serious? <laughs> that's another interesting right parallel where people can say, well, I was tested for Lyme and it was negative, so it's not that. Um, and the the situation with Lyme disease is you actually need a, a better test. They are more expensive. They're often not covered by insurance. Um, so it's not the road I go down first with people. But if there are people who are actually doing the thyroid work, getting things corrected um, with the thyroid, and the the numbers are good, the other real thyroid-specific symptoms are gone, and everything else is good, but they're still having some very lyme like symptoms then I will sometimes suggest that they, you know, go down that road just to if anything to rule it out. So.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's really scary. So you can get tested and it can be <laughs> negative but you can have it. I mean, that's that's really
3: scary. I didn't know that. I didn't. Mm-hmm. There are other an tests. I also called the western blot and a test testing company called Igenix, I G E N-I-X or E-X, um, um dot com, and they're really the gold standard. So um, they actually look for bacteria itself and the co-infection, so um, Lyme rarely travels by itself. If a tick injects you with blood that's infected, very often there are other little infections in there too. And the upside is that those are much easier to address, and those are much easier to kill if needed. <laughs> so... Um, and they can cause symptoms. So if you know you have these co-infections and you can get treated, you can actually feel quite a bit better. Um, so I usually recommend, you know, save up, spend the money, know what you have and what you don't, even for the peace of mind to know that you don't have any of these things. And that's right. if someone is at the point where they're really um, really starting to become frustrated and look for answers. Um, but... You know, this is just for those with with Lyme, and I I don't want to go too far down that track because of course there are many many people out there with thyroid problems who are being told everything's fine with their thyroid or their treatment for thyroid, and the other symptoms must not be that. I don't want to inaccurately send them down a road that isn't isn't what's going on there, right? Because very often it actually is. The, the possibility that you can optimize what's going on with the thyroid and feel better, and or the adrenal. So the the symptoms
0: very much crisscross themselves, is what you're saying. So there, if you have a client that comes to you, Robin, is there anything that stands out to you that you go, you know, hmm, Lyme is definitely a possibility here, or do they mainly all the symptoms crisscross?
3: They don't all crisscross. There are there is some overlap. Um, Lyme is such a a buffet of possibilities that some people have just migrating joint pain. That one day they're limping on one leg. The other day they're limping on another leg. Um, joint inflammation. Other people have no joint problems at all, and it's neurological. So they may have numbness. They may um, you know, they may get disoriented. They may be very sound and, and light sensitive. Um, I used to actually get disoriented, um, like lost in places that I would go every day, stuff like that, or not be able to recall words. Um, It really can be all over the place. And while sometimes those can be similar, so people with um, non-optimally treated thyroid um, or hypothyroidism can have body pains, um, it's not necessarily the same as that migrating severe joint pain, right? So... I would say Lyme actually is more similar to fibromyalgia in terms of how they're commonly described uh than it is to the standard hypothyroidism but the the fluctuations in body temperature, the hair loss the outer eyebrow hair loss these are all real thyroid specific things um and I don't see those in in Lyme very much
0: hmm. yeah, interesting. It's just so fascinating to ponder all the different things that can affect, you know, the thyroid or even just the T4 to T3 conversion. Or it's just it's just fascinating that, like you, I love the way you said buffet of symptoms. <laughs> I love that. Yes. It's just, we're all used know, it's to like, that. Okay, right? so where do we start?
1: <laughs>
3: and that's actually what you just said is the golden question: where do we start? And so when people come to me they're often in that place of, like, I've seen all these doctors, all these specialists, I'm not better. What do we, you know, what do I do? And always say it's, it's it's the putting it all together and then taking it apart again. So, and that's how you know where to start. So the first thing is, well, let's, all this information you've gathered, I think there are many people out there who've tried multiple doctors um, or multiple solutions, um, holistic or, or otherwise, and aren't necessarily getting better, and it's, but you're still gathering good information there, right? You're learning, if anything, you're learning what isn't working by itself. You might be getting great, you know, lab work. Everything is a clue. Everything's a piece. So, um, what we do is we take all of that information, plus a lot of questions and personal information, and put it all together, and say, so if we put everything together on the table, you know, I would say, on, on turn over all stones, right? So, let's Let's really explore all of these possibilities and look at the body as a whole. What's going on with your body, right? We're not diagnosing anything. The doctor does that. But we can see systems-wise if it looks like there's some hormone imbalance, if there's gut problems, you know, we we can tell what the body's struggling with. And then it's like, well, where do we begin? And I would say start with the easy stuff, right? Because if it's an easy solution, (laughs) then why not start with that. So I don't really start with, let's see, if it's Lyme disease. I think that, that it's so often not. Um that, that would just be a silly place to start. But if we could really work on supporting the adrenals and optimizing, like you said, sorry, hormone conversion, making sure people are on the right thing that for them that their numbers are being looked at from a really functional perspective and not just being told that they're normal. You know, these are the things that we can address. And of course optimizing nutrients, um, even something like having significantly deficient vitamin D can cause you to feel similar to hypothyroid. You can be brain fog, you can be really tired, you can have difficulty losing weight, and that's a nice simple thing to fix. So we try to cover the bases that are easy, simple, non-medical first so that people can start feeling better faster. And then we work on, you know, the kind of a bigger picture. So we're looking at big picture, then small pieces, and big picture, if that makes sense. I hope I hope it does.
2: Yes.
0: It I was does, following. Yeah,
2: I know. I'm just. I'm letting Robin <laughs>
0: talk. <and> she's amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no,
2: and me too. And, you know, I noticed that, you know I mean, this is just going to this is going to be our I can't think of the word I'm I'm looking for but this is going to be our Tiffany and our our thing from now on our flower fields we've said it in the past mm-hmm. few shows Robin when we when we pause I actually like our pauses I know I've listened to tons of uh blog uh podcasts and and blog talk radio shows and all kinds of things and they're always moving the the conversation along and there's really no stop no silence, you know. And Tiffany mm-hmm. and I often stop, and we sit there, and there's blank air. And just a few minutes ago, we did that, and I was thinking how much it felt really good, because I was digesting everything mm-hmm. that you had just said. We call it our flower field. We're just we call it our flower field moment. Happy. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're just loving
2: and happy because person's telling us stuff and we're like oh, okay good we now we can know now we learn oh this is good you know so it's like our flower field moment and we're just that's our theme we're going to keep having so if you if you hear us pausing and not saying anything you know really that is us that's our way or my way and Tiffany's way of just kind of digesting everything you've just said and kind of I was just going to say it, when right, you say
0: digest that's what it is. We're, we're digesting the information. I mean, it's, you know, uh, there's, it's a tendency to be very overwhelming, you know, for people uh, when they don't feel well, all the information that comes in at one time, you know, uh, I remember in, in the, in the midst of really feeling poorly, my husband would snap his fingers in my face and go, can you hear me? And I would be looking right at him, you know, listening and trying to really maintain that, you know, cognitive moment and, so really, to be able to clearly digest information that's coming at you is very cool. So when you have that, you you have a tendency, I think, to be more appreciative of those moments of digestions.
2: <laughs> For
3: me, anyway. Uh, yeah, right. No, I I love yes. it. I mean, that constant flow of you know influx of things is just a lot to shield. And well, sometimes in life, when, when you're eating
0: so fast, a delicious meal, don't you take a minute to, to, to slow down. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's slowing down is good. Slow is good. <laughs> Slow is good. Yep. <laughs> I'm with you there. Well, I love the way you say being the CEO of your health team. Tell us a little bit about that, Robin, what you mean by that.
2: Me too. Sure. I couldn't I, I couldn't wait for you to talk about that. I was looking at the same thing. Tiffany that great. I was like, oh I love this. I can't wait to talk about this. This is such a great point. Okay, we're gonna be in our flower fields. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. I love it.
3: Okay. So being the CEO of our health team, I I Okay. For myself and for my clients, I think when the turnaround begins to happen is when we can finally Step into the leadership role of our healing. Very often, and I'm not blaming anyone. I think that this is just maybe the culture we grew up in. I don't know if it's still this way for young people, but how I grew up is, you know, you do what the doctor says, and the doctor has the answers. And I love good doctors. I owe my life to good doctors, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying anything negative about doctors. But unfortunately, there are a lot. Of doctors out there who aren't up on the science, specifically thyroid science, and this isn't new stuff, right? So a lot of what you all talk about in Thyroid Nation and what I talk about in my practice and, you know, um, in the, the mini course that I offer, which anyone who's listening can sign up for. By the way, this is free nine steps and it, it covers a lot of what we're talking about right now in more detail and that's on um, happyhealthythyroid.com. You can sign up for that and you'll get a step each day and at the end, I put them all into a kind of a booklet for you. But rather than kind of giving our power over to whatever the doctor says, we can actually become the CEO. We can become the boss and decide what's working and what's not. And that doesn't mean we are not listening to the doctors. Um, but I've, I've walked out of appointments in tears. I've had clients walk out of appointments in tears or just angry and exasperated. When you're sick... And I was really quite sick for five years. I mean, it takes so much energy to just get to the doctor, not to mention go through your whole story again. Financially, it's difficult. Um, And we put a lot of hope into the next appointment with whoever that person is being the one that finally gives us the answers we're seeking. And it often doesn't happen. And so um, then many people feel like they're sort of at the mercy of what the doctor said. Well, they'll only put me on this medication, or they won't give me a full panel. And people come out in tears. Well, guess what? Our doctor works for us, right? We pay them to provide a service. And like any other service in a society where we can choose which services work for us, we can be choosy. And we can hire a doctor and we can fire a doctor. So we're the CEO. We decide, is that the best person for the job? Is that the best person for the head of this department, right? We'll say that department in, you know, our healing is the medical sphere of what's going on, overseeing my levels, prescribing medication if I need it, helping me make good medical decisions. Is that the best person for the job? And when we ask that question, we often will get a very different answer, a very different emotion and emotional state than the feeling we have when we walk out of that appointment in tears, right, because we're so frustrated that it it happened again. Um, And so I really encourage people to build a team, build a team around supporting your health. And you can be the boss of that team. And boss doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't have to mean cutthroat. You know, we're not like Donald Trump, whatever that show is. You know, we're not We're not that. Um, we just want to run a really good operation. And we want to make sure it's working and it's working for everyone. Um, and we know our bodies the best. We live in our bodies all day long. And so I do encourage people to do that. And sometimes it does take some work to find the right practitioners um, luckily, there are online communities, such as this one, where people can ask around. Um, I often recommend people look up functional medicine doctors, but also building that team means that the doctor is one piece, one slice of that pie, and there may be other people. There, You may have someone who helps with getting you out for, you know, going out with you for walks a few times a week, or you may have a nutrition expert or a health coach, or you may have an emotional support person. Um, You may have an acupuncturist. Whatever that is, you're you're putting your team together and you can decide what's working and what isn't. And by doing so, we really can become empowered in managing our own healing. Higher and fire, right? I love that.
2: (laughs) I love that. I do. I mean, because, you know, we've always felt like, I mean, that this is my analogy, you know, I always felt like my mom never told me that I, or, or taught me that I could, and this is, I'm not sure, a good way to say this, but she never really taught me how to purge my friends, you know, like, mm. like, get rid of the, the ones that weren't working for me, so, you know, the negative energy ones, I was like, if you're my friend, you're my friend, you have to be my friend, because mm-hmm. you're my friend, so I said you were, so now you are forever, I was just kind of taught that way. We weren't really ever taught to, like, purge and do kind of what works for you. You know, we've got this innate sense of, like, you know, responsibility or commitment or whatever it is, kind of, I guess, maybe a culture thing. But you can be the CEO of your body and you can purge what doesn't work for you and choose what does work for you, right? And and you should. You really should. And sometimes you don't know, so you keep having to go through different things, and they're just pieces of the puzzle, and you and you don't need to get frustrated. Me, for instance, I've been to lots of different doctors, and my husband and I were just talking about this the other day, Robin, um, you know, he was like, okay, so we need to see another doctor. He was didn't say it negatively. I took it negatively, and I was like, yes, because
1: it's
2: it's, you know, I need this, and I'm not sure, and, but it's just, Building blocks, building the pieces, getting all the pieces to the puzzle because there are many components to this. It's not just take this pill and you're done. So I like being able to be picky and choosy and not afraid anymore now from listening to all these groups and the support and things and talking on the radio show and talking to you, Robin, and Tiffany, that people really do fire their doctor. And I'm not afraid to say, you're not working for me now. I mean, right. before we're not it just didn't right. seem like you, yeah, before it didn't seem like you were, like, allowed to do that or you should do that. Or, and now I feel empowered, like, you know what? This is what other people are doing. This is what I should be doing. I'm the CEO of my body. This is not working for me. I need to find something that is. So I love that. I really think that's a, a really good point, Robin. I like that you that you focus on that
0: for your...
1: For your, be the
0: CEO yeah. of your health team. I love that. <laughs> it's empowerment well, it's always, in a, in a simple always, sentence. Go
3: ahead, sorry. Go ahead, Robin. Oh, it's not always about um, you know just hiring or firing too. I mean, if you think about it in terms of the CEO, if someone's not kind of handling the job right or well, you may sit down and talk with them first. <laughs> you may explain what you need. You may explain what the job entails. And so I encourage my clients in their appointments to if they're not getting the full panel or they're not getting listened to or they're the doctors popping in for 30 seconds for their appointment and and that's all they get is to try to work with them first. You say, look, I really want your opinion. I want your expertise. I'd like to talk with you for more than 30 minutes instead of 30 seconds. Is that possible? can we sit down together? Can I, you know, share with you what's been going on with me? Or here's why I'd like a full panel. Um, I know that might not be something you customarily do. And sometimes we'll bring in the science. So I used to bring in medical journal articles (laughs) to my doctors back when you couldn't just pull everything off the Internet and say, look, I know I need T3 tested, I know such and such. Uh, bring in the material. See if they're open. See if they're open to doing something differently. So we don't necessarily have to just walk out. It really can be a conversation. And the good doctors, I think, really appreciate when a patient is wanting to be involved with their own health. Now, I also want to tip my hat to patients because the thought of having to do that when you're already worn down and exhausted and not feeling well is exhausting and can also be frustrating. Like we want to just go to the appointment and have them already know to do all these things. but We don't want to have to be the boss all the time. And I understand that. Um, if you need help, if you need a, a partner, a friend, a you know, spouse, whatever, to kind of help and make a list of the things you want to talk about with the doctor before the appointment, um, these are all things that can help. You know, you want to gather your resources. When you're worn down, you have fewer resources. And I would say, and this touches on what, what you were talking about, Dana, about kind of weeding out your, your friend list or <laughs> purging your friends when needed. You know, I don't want to get too woo-woo on you guys, but I would say that one of the gifts of having a chronic condition and one of the gifts of having an illness is your resources are more precious, right? You don't have all the time and energy to burn, and what a beautiful way to live, that is when we can get to a point where we say, you know what, I actually don't have the time and energy to spend all this time with people I don't genuinely like or who don't nourish me in any way, or I don't have the wherewithal to get up and go to a job that I can't stand every day, right, these kinds of things, and it's hard to make those changes, but the illness sometimes forces you to make those changes. And what happens on the other side of that is you end up hopefully addressing the illness, feeling better, and then you have this amazing life because you're surrounded by the people you you want to be with, doing things you want to be doing, um, because you've learned not to waste, you know, time and precious resources on things that aren't serving you, and I, I think it makes us very choosy in a good way, in a really good way. I totally Ooh, I love agree.
2: that. I'm going to be in my flower field now. You're going to have to just give <laughs> me a minute. Wait. Okay, we're going to revisit that. Okay, so... What a beautiful way to live your life. I like that, Robin. Really, that, that makes me feel good and happy because it truly, truly is. I do save my resources for when I'm the best me and for the best people around me. And because of this illness, I really, it has really taught me a lot. I do do that and I'm trying to do more and learning to say no and it not being a bad thing to say no.
3: Is a good thing. Yes, it's honoring (laughs) yourself and what you need, and what a great thing that is. And realizing that by us saying no, we're not necessarily hurting anybody. So, So I think before we get sick, we think that if we say no or set any limits or any boundaries, we're hurting somebody else. But most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time, we just think that's the case. So when we're forced to say no to more and be more selective about what we're saying yes to, we realize. That you know, actually, this isn't hurting anyone, and it's helping me be a better me. And when I'm a better me, obviously, I can give more and enjoy my life more, and you know, even share more with the people I love. So it, it's a it is a win-win, but it's just a new pattern. It's a new patterning that sometimes we have to get you know kicked in the butt <laughs> to make happen. But once we learn it, it, it really changes our lives for the better. I think there are so many gifts that come with having been sick, you know, and people would say, I was sick for five years or whatever, and those were some critical years of of my life and and dictated a lot of things that did and did not happen in my life. But I really wouldn't change to them now. I really wouldn't. I think that when we look back on what we can gain from this and if we're ready to embrace the gifts along with the challenge, it it certainly fuels us for getting better. Um, And it's something that... I know that I live my life in a very different way now than I would have prior. And I'm really glad for that. We all the had blessings of chronic
0: illness. <laughs>
2: yeah, right. The blessings
0: of chronic illness, right? I mean, that so resonates with me. I'm so grateful.
2: It's like now, <laughs> Tiffany, we, Tiffany and I have these Google Docs that we start. I mean, we have so many that we share these Google Docs, and I'm thinking, okay, the blessings of. <laughs> chronic illness. I'm going to need to start a new Google Doc. I'm going to have to quote I'm going to go back and listen to Robin and quote some of those things for our blessings for chronic illness because I'm going to need to remember them. So, that's great. I love it, right? It's true. I mean, I have learned I have some never really great never things. been
0: never been so grateful to uh, you know, particularly recently take a deep breath. You know, it's my body forces me now to stop take a deep breath. And you know, every time I do it, it, I'm I'm so in the moment and grateful for being able to take that deep breath. And I feel, you know, I have these things where I feel better when I do it. You know, mm. it's like the body's forcing mm-hmm. it to happen. That's one of that's been one of my blessings of chronic illness is that you know, repeated deep breathing, which you know, for me, can prompt a, a peaceful moment. <laughs> yes, very much so.
3: Very much so. Well, and there are and many, uh, many people on this earth who would say that's the most important thing to be able to do is just be able to breathe, and breathe, be present, and take yes. that moment because that's where a lot of things stem from. You know, our peace, our gratitude, being able to love, all of those things. And if you can do that, you've got it. <laughs> so that's a wonderful thing to hear.
0: And really, and when, when you think about love that you, deep breath,
3: to, go ahead.
0: No, no. I was just going to say that when you take that deep breath, that is what that does for the moment. It to, for me, that is what it does. And I think when you when you start learning, because for you know the longest time, you know not being able to take that moment or take that deep breath, you know. So now when I do it, that's exactly where it puts me. That moment of gratitude. That moment of um, I, it's a it's a moment of wellness. I can't I can't put my finger on it and explain it. But my body now, after teaching myself to do it, will instantaneously do it on its own. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's
0: almost like it stops me. And then I take the deep breath and then it's like, oh, that just, you know, that felt so good. And it makes me stop and slow down. And I love that. I'm so grateful for that.
2: I think you I love it. about I think you posted something about that a few days ago, didn't you, Tiffany? And I and I just liked it today. I just saw it today that you were like, "I'm not saying or doing anything because I'm just living in the moment." And I was like, "That is so great, right?" It was. I just you know, I, I love w- that. I
0: do. The blessings of chronic illness. I mean that that it just you know I hate to say it, but in a weird way, it has changed me so much for the better. You know, just you're so grateful for everything today. The days that you feel good and don't have joint pain or you're, you know, really cognitively clear or visual fields are clear or, you know, I mean, I have unique challenges. But, you know, the days that are good days, man, I am just like, they're priceless. You you can't be grateful enough. So I think, you know, my life before that was so fast and so busy and so and it was like I continually wasn't stopping to be grateful for the moment you know, in this, it's it's really, it has changed me, honestly, for the better. And, like, and, and Robin, like you said, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't, I don't regret this journey at all because it's done nothing but, but make me a better, more grateful person, you know. I mean, that's kind of, it's sort of a weird thing to say that, <laughs> but it has. I just, yeah. you know,
3: it has. It really has. I'd love to share a little tip that I that I about that deep breathing, if that's okay. Um, Absolutely. So, a little strategy that um, I use and share with others sometimes is to, when deep breathing is something new for us, and of course we're we're given this this ability, right, to be able to breathe. Um, it sounds so silly, but <laughs> it's true. So, there's breathing not consciously, you know, breathing just because we're breathing, and then there's becoming conscious of the fact that you're breathing. And because the thyroid and the adrenals are so inter, interwoven and strain on one can often mean strain on the other and we we really need to support both. Um, often I'll see in a lot of the discussion groups that I'm in, you know, is this supplement good for adrenal fatigue? Is that good for adrenal fatigue? And the adrenal cocktail and all of these things. And, and none of them are, 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 I'm not saying any of them are bad, but if you're constantly doing these little half-short breaths and never pausing and never relaxing your body, none of those are going to, on their own, fix your adrenals. Right? We have to absolutely have to learn how to breathe and relax our bodies, and that can be momentary. And it's like taking a you know it's like taking a peace pill, <laughs> even if it's for 10 seconds. In those 10 seconds, you're providing this amazing cascade of calm throughout your entire nervous system. It's like taking a peace pill in your body. It's, a, it's medicine. So we get really serious about breathing as medicine, part of our treatment plan, if you will. Um, so one of the strategies they use with people is to begin to attach it to something you do throughout the day anyway. So, for example, every time you hang up the phone that would be when you would take a couple of, you know, I would say five, but if you want to start with three, that's fine, long, deep breaths. Or when you pull in, when you park your car, right, when you pull into the, your driveway before you get home or you pull into your office or picking up your kid at school, when you park the car before you get out, that's when you would do it. So you're attaching it to something that would happen throughout the day anyway, and it, it will take practice. You will forget. That's completely normal. Um And that's when you have your few moments to do your breathing. And some people enjoy using apps on their phone or setting an alarm on their phone, a a nice chime, I would say, not one of those jangle your nerves alarms, but something, some kind of reminder to breathe throughout the day. But if attaching it to something you're already doing uh, works for you, um, or you think it may, it's certainly something to try. And it's a great way to sort of plug that in, that little dose of medicine in throughout the day in a in a way that over time will become habit.
2: I love that. And I I have to tell you, I'm giggling, and I can't help it because that's just the way I'm made, and I absolutely think that everything you're saying is perfect. But I really did, my first thought when you said, let's attach it to something that you do every day, uh, several times a day was... Okay, when I go to the bathroom, (laughs) I can't help it. I just thought for sure. I was thinking, she's going to use that as an example, and I'm going to be like, yes, okay, I knew it. But she didn't. It was just me, just me. So here I am thinking, next time I go to the bathroom, I'm going to be thinking about Robin and Tiffany, and I'm going to be breathing.
1: Oh, please don't.
2: (laughs) I can't help it. I can't help I it think now. In your own you know. bathroom, that's okay. In
3: a public bathroom, you might not want to take those long, deep
2: breaths.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that might not good be point. good. And, and if you, and if they're loud too,
2: that means. Can't either. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I really, well, I have a lot, lot of women, I them, and the
3: especially. That's the only time you get to yourself, right? So if it's the bathroom, <laughs> then so be it. that's our tmi problem
0: field for the day (laughs) sorry sorry okay so
2: i was going to tell you you know and that it probably ties in and i don't know how much you cover this at all um robin with your you know with your clients and things but you know with exercise you know how people right now too much exercise is this and blah 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 exercise but um, i'm what i'm referring to is yoga and I went to the States and did um, yoga at one of these really neat little places or whatever, And, and I'm just now, as Robin's talking, I'm sitting in my flower field and I'm reflecting and I'm thinking to myself, that was a great class, and I went on and on about how wonderful it was and everything. But what is so great about the class that I take here and what the difference is is that there's much more focus on breath and breathing. My yogi, best bud here, Anna, is a phenomenal teacher, and the class flows really nicely. You do get a good practice. You can take breaks when, when you want. But the point for a lot of people, and I have these thyroid yoga series at thyroidnation.com, and what you're trying to say too, Robin, is breathing is so important. We kind of take it for granted. We just do it, you know, just without thinking, and it's a it's a wonderful ability that we have. But we also need to kind of pay attention to it sometimes and make sure we're deep breathing. And in my yoga class here, I really focus on my breath. And I think that's why it's so good for me and why those strenuous classes and things weren't because there's a difference. This focuses on breath more than that did. That focused more on exercise and getting in shape when I was in the states visiting. This is more about like a whole body. And I really am like... Okay, so that's why I really enjoy going to my yoga because I, what Robin said, she said, if there's a connection and I really need to do it. I don't need to be shallow breathing. I'm a shallow breather, always have been. I mentioned that to my doctors 15, 20 years ago, and they just said, that's the way you're made. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> you know? And breathing right. So, so, I have right, always, Robin? I mean, uh, teaching people to breathe properly. I think most people, when they're doing the deep breathing exercises, There are lots of people that honestly don't know how to breathe right.
3: Yeah. And that's it, there are, I agree with you, there are a lot of um, different theories on the proper ways to take deep breaths. And isn't it funny, right, that something as natural as breathing, we have to talk about the right way to do it. But it's true when, when you take as many breaths as we take every single day, and we're not doing it in a way that's conscious, or we're doing it in a shallow way, which most of us do when we're not conscious, we're just doing our thing and breathing, Um, that taking that deep breath can feel really unnatural, it can feel forced, and, and you're right, Tiffany, some people will take a long deep breath and fill up the top part of their lungs across their chest, and you want to try to focus on bringing that air down and filling up from the bottom up. So you're really expanding the lungs and expanding the lungs on your sides, and the sides of your body. And while that might feel odd at first, over time when you relax your body and then breathe, that will feel like the most um, natural, normal, comfortable way to breathe. And there's so much that happens. You know, one of the reasons exercise is important in general for humans is not just that we're moving our muscles and moving our bodies, but you breathe a little heavier and it's oxygenation. It's oxygenizing the blood. When you get that oxygen in the body, you're actually helping your cellular turnover, your cell renewal. That's why most of us feel good after we take a little walk. Um, There's just something about getting that oxygen in. We're made for it. We need it like plants need it. And so really getting it into your full lungs and your sides as well as down deep um, really can make an incredible difference in how you feel.
2: I love this because you just know that all the listeners are sitting here or wherever (laughs) they are, and everybody, we're all breathing so good right now. We're being so good, (laughs) aren't we? I'm sitting here sitting straight
3: up.
2: (laughs) I am, Right. You know, this is Robin's Breathing 101. I'm just sitting here. I'm <laughs> breathing good. I'm, like, filling up the size and doing everything she tell me to do. I'm, like, in my happy flower field. This is fantastic. I love it. So down
3: you were talking about yoga. One of my yoga teachers years ago, I, and it always stuck with me, is that all the asanas are, right, like the shapes and positions. And some people who are new to yoga might think it's all about trying to put your body into a pretzel shape. Um, but you know, she's saying the only the only reason that we put the body in different shapes in yoga is to provide different shaped containers for the breath that's it but it really oh, wow. is all about breathing, and by putting your body into slightly different shapes while you breathe, you're just allowing the breath to do different things in the body and and i and I love that, and I think that um anyone out there who maybe has tried a yoga class and thought it wasn't for them or it was too much about the push yourself or the exercise or the fashion show, as I like to say, because a lot of yoga is now, Um, it really isn't about how flexible you are or what position you can get yourself into. It really, ideally, especially for those dealing with chronic conditions or starting, getting started, should be focused on the breath. So perhaps look for like a Hatha class as opposed to some of the other types um, those are a little bit more focused on breathing. And one should never feel pushed or like they're putting their body into a position it doesn't want to be in. It should feel good. Um, and maybe pushing a little bit to beyond, like, oh, this is a new position for me and I didn't know this could be comfortable. That's okay. <laughs> but if you're pushing to the point of something being uncomfortable or hurting, that's that's not it. <laughs> and, and And not to feel any pressure uh, to do that in a class. It should be about really taking an hour or however long the class is to completely honor yourself and your body and what feels good.
0: The lady that uh, does my reflexology, Miriam, she is. Um, she takes a couple of uh, trips to India every year. And they have this month-long, um, I forget what she calls them, but literally there's, you know, thousands and thousands of people in this area and they just sit on these mats and then and breathe and listen to these symposiums during the day and breathe and do yoga and she's there for like literally like 30 days and every time mm-hmm. she leaves i think man one of these times i'm going to go <laughs> i'm going to go and i'm going to do this because it just sounds so incredibly you know just to spend could you imagine just spending 30 days breathing and she said listening to the singing, and the." It, she said it's just an extraordinary event. So I, I think that would just be so cool. Okay, so tell us, yeah. Robin. Yeah, healing. I, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, really. She, hmm. she looks like a different healing. person when she comes back.
2: <laughs> yeah. Such a strange thing, but it sounds very healing. I'm with you. Yeah, correct. and they all day
0: long, and she says the music is extraordinary. Of course, she plays Indian music during the reflexology, but you know, um, she said the music there is, is, you know, just so different, you know, because it's live, of course. But um, they do these massive symposiums several times a year, and people, you know, of course, they they, um, trek there from all over the world to do these. And just such an amazing thing that she does for herself. Um, But it's just so cool. Okay, so Robin, tell us Tell us some tips on knowing how to eat and sleep better now that we've talked about breathing and what that will do for the adrenal glands and meditation relaxation. How to eat and sleep better. Do you have some tips for everybody
3: there? Sure, I do. So I like to, rather than separate what's for thyroid, what's for adrenal, is you really want to eat and sleep and live in a way that supports your endocrine system. right? So that's that's all of it. And that does not that's not to say that those with adrenal fatigue don't have some specific needs, but I think that when we're thinking about, when we know we're a thyroid person and somebody who needs to tend to our, our thyroid hormone levels, um, we want to also be thinking that we want to feed the adrenals to keep them supported. So the first thing is, um, one of the mistakes I see a lot of people make, um, and this taps into the exercise conversation too, is that so many People with hypothyroid, especially when their levels are not optimized, have such a difficult time losing weight that they may try some extreme measures to to get the weight off. So that could be intensive exercise, you know, boot camp style workouts, which if you are adrenally fatigued at all, um, could make things a lot worse. Uh, And that could be one. Or they're going super, super low to no... Carbohydrate, which is also an extraordinary drain on the adrenals. So the adrenals need carbohydrates, but obviously we want good quality carbohydrates. Many people do very well with thyroid and adrenal imbalance by um, getting off of grains. Other people do fine with a small amount of grains. Um, but a grain-heavy diet, I've never seen be effective for hormone balance or uh, energy. It also can be a real challenge and a lot of work on the digestive system. So I want to talk for a minute about the digestive system because it's so important, so many things. First of all, our immunity. So much of our immunity resides there. Secondly, our serotonin, which a lot of people think of serotonin as something that just exists in the brain, but much of it is actually created in the gut. So when the gut is compromised or working really hard to digest what we're putting in there, Um, we actually can have serotonin response, meaning we can start to feel bad and blue and draggy. So optimizing the digestive system, a lot of people find over time that they're actually in a better mood and feeling lighter and happier. Um, And, of course, thyroid hormone conversion is so much of our conversion of T4, which is either being made by our thyroid or um, we may be taking a medication which is either T4 only, such as Synthroid or Levothyroxine, or a combination of T4 and T3, our bodies need to convert that T4 to the active form, which is T3. And that uh, happens with a huge role being played by the digestive uh, system and the liver. So we want to be thinking about how we're eating, not just to eat to feel good, but eating to feel good really means optimizing the function of our gut. So first of all, I would... If you're on a grain-heavy diet, I would cut back. And start to bulk up your plate with vegetables um, rather than grains. So you still can be feeling full. You can still feel like you're eating a nice-sized meal, but you're bulking that up rather than with the grains, with the veggies. In the morning, you want some carbohydrates. You want like a piece of fruit, something with a little bit of sugar. So a lot of people focusing on weight loss think, well, I burned up all the sugar overnight and in the morning I'm going to have just protein, which is going to force my body to burn more fat. Well, guess what gets tired when you do that every morning, your adrenals. You want to feed Mm -hmm. the adrenals, preferably with some fruit in the morning, um, and just give your body a bit of what it needs. It doesn't mean it's a massive amount. Um, But give your body a bit of that nice, easy energy so that you're not putting your body into a stress response because it's worried, I'm not getting what I need, I'm not getting what I need. But you're not sending that message. You're saying, I'm taking care of you. I know that you've had a full night and now you need some fuel to take care of your system, so here's some fuel. And we start with a little bit of fruit. And you don't have to... necessarily eat that huge breakfast, you know, that common knowledge is eat a big breakfast and you'll be set for the day. I find that if we step away from all the shoulds and just tune in with what do I want and when do I want it, and that's difficult to do because our day is often structured around meals and things, um, very often we only want a little something to get going in the morning, and maybe an hour later, two hours later, could be half hour later, then we're ready for more food. So... Um, I find that this is really effective for a lot of people is to have a little bit of fruit in the morning and wait until you're hungry. And when you're hungry, then you want something with good protein, good healthy fat, and some amount of carbohydrate, whether that's vegetables or what have you. So I like to focus on veggies and protein and healthy fat. I think it's a really nice way to eat. It's an easy way to eat when you go out. You can skip the bread, ask for an extra side of veggies if you feel that what you're Getting on your plate won't be enough um and allow yourself that protein healthy fat and the bulk of the bulk and nutrients of the vegetables that's kind of the the staple and you actually will have an easier time sticking to a healthy eating plan and in fact losing weight if you're eating some of that healthy fat, so your body wants fat and needs fat, and by choosing some healthy fat and eating it early in the meal, you actually have a satiety switch in your brain when you're full. And if you eat that fat first, that fat tells your brain that you've had enough. So eat that first if you're trying to lose. Have have a little spoonful of, you know, a few nuts or a little bit of nut butter, or if you have a meal in front of you, eat the fattier thing first. And then eat the rest. I think a lot of people can Relate to well. I don't want to eat the fatty thing, so I'm going to have this instead, and that doesn't satisfy them. And so I'll have this instead, and we keep adding and adding. And at the end of all of that stuff, we end up eating the fatty thing anyway. <laughs> so um, start with the fat, but, but get in the habit of healthy fats and so nuts, avocado, um, coconut. These are all I love avocado healthy fats. <laughs> hmm. Dana, you must get good good avocados in Costa Rica
2: I have an avocado tree in my backyard
3: Ah, lucky you (laughs) yeah I I know know, right waiting let your body decide when it wants more and then you want to focus on increasing protein increasing vegetables increasing healthy fats in small amounts but definitely with every meal and try to pull back on the grains Um, The other thing is, and I think a lot of folks know this already, but there is so much confusion out there about the goitrogenic vegetables. So goitrogen means that it blocks your thyroid from taking up iodine, and your thyroid requires iodine to function. So the goitrogens are cruciferous vegetables that are raw, so uncooked cruciferous such as uh, kale, spinach, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, things like that. Hard um, eating those in excess can can be goitrogenic, can block that optimal thyroid function. So there are, you know, sometimes a little information is not always the same thing. I see a lot of things on the internet with these lists of vegetables not to eat, and I would never say to skip these vegetables because they are anti-cancer, they're nutritional powerhouses, they're wonderful for you. But cook them, cook them. A little bit of raw isn't going to a huge problem. You know, if you somebody makes you a smoothie and there's some kale in it or gives you a salad and there's some kale in there with the lettuce, you'll be fine probably, right? But when people, uh, sometimes I've had people come to me and they say, well, I've been trying to lose weight and I'm doing these green smoothies every day. And what's in the green smoothie? Spinach and kale and all these other things. So they're doing a large amount of raw cruciferous every single day, and guess what? They feel worse. They're more tired. They've gained weight, and it wouldn't make sense if you're doing green smoothies every day that you would be gaining, but it can happen. So um, definitely eat those vegetables, but but cook them
0: first. Absolutely. And and peanuts, you know, I mean, uh, the amount of goitrogens, you know, just like you said, Robin, Mm -hmm. there's so many healthy foods that fall in that category, but When you talk to people, really healthy foods, I was talking to a lady yesterday at the farmer's market, really, you know, the healthier foods are people that, you know, often will grab them. A lot of them are goitrogens, you know, and if you go down the list of someone that's very, very tired and, you know, not necessarily having a thyroid problem, they've had it all ruled out and, you know, the whole nine yards, but yet they're still consuming, you know, they do the green juice in the morning and then they have peanut butter for lunch and, and, you know. A lot of times you can tell them to fiddle with it, you know, fiddle with it. See how you feel if you don't do it or whatever. You Mm -hmm. know, I think people consume more goitrogenic foods than they actually realize. And it's not, you know, like you said, the little bit of kale in your salad or, you know, um, having the spinach at lunch or putting the handful of spinach in your your green smoothie that's, you know, um, celery and and all these other wonderful greens as well that aren't goitrogenic. Those aren't going to hurt you, you know. But it's when you're you're doing this massive consumption of large amounts of it. I have seen it myself with my own eyes do do pretty good sized damage when people are consuming too many, like you said, at one time. Yeah. And there's so many of them are healthy foods. That's the crazy thing: is people, you know, they're like, "Well, these are healthy, so I'm going to
3: eat more of them all the time." And, and you're touching um, on something so important, Tiffany, which is what's a healthy food, and and it's no wonder that people are confused. That's such a big part of what I do it's people. Is, it's so you know, subjective. When I work is it in not? a group <laughs> or under, yeah, or one-on-one, it's like, well, there are, there are people who, many, millions, I would say, who are really doing their best to change how they're eating, how they're living, and they think they're buying the healthier option. And, and with the way things are marketed and packaged with, you know, healthy whatever, whole grain or gluten-free, you know, I I don't remember, I think it was like, Grapefruits, which, first of all, I don't know who needs to buy grapefruit already cut up and put in a plastic cup, right? Like, just buy the grapefruit. But it's an environmental nightmare, right. in my opinion. But it was grapefruits, and it says gluten free across the box. And I'm thinking, well, of course it's gluten free. It's grapefruit, right? Like, grapefruit should be gluten free. And then you read the ingredients, and it has high fructose corn syrup in it because it was grapefruits in a cup in sugar syrup. Uh, <laughs> Right, right. There it is. Going on, it says 100% natural on it. It's fruit. It says gluten free. That looks like a healthy product. Um, So there's no wonder people are overwhelmed. They're confused. And so what we do is really work through. And the the way that I work is rather than having a list of shoulds and a list of shouldn'ts, which is no fun and nobody does well with that. Right. What do people like to eat? What do they crave? you know and the cravings actually are sometimes of where your nutrient deficiencies are so by balancing out nutrient deficiencies you can sometimes just eliminate the cravings altogether um but what is it they want and when what are their common habits and then plugging in ways to do that in a way that works for the individual and that's what makes it sustainable is you're not just changing the way you do everything and changing your entire life and your meals um but you're actually recrafting the way you like to eat in a way that's healthy. So it's true. It it, it can be very confusing with the labels and, and all of that and especially because it's so popular to have something be a quote unquote health food um that you know, people are being duped in a way. I and mean, they're being sold Oh it's like it's like gluten free bread. You know, gluten free mm-hmm. but it's
0: gluten free bread. You know, I'm like, yeah, but look at the amount of carbohydrates in there and there's not a lot of protein and you're intaking all these starches and and that's not really food. I mean, no one's going to no one's going to have lunch on, you know, 17 grams of corn starch or, you know, <laughs> corn and tapioca starch and you know what I'm saying? It's like that that's mm-hmm. not food. You have to get but people are they they look for comfort foods. The reason people go for gluten-free breads is because they love bread. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that gluten-free bread is is going to fuel you and make you feel good. You know, I mean, gluten-free, like you said, is, is food. You know, the grapefruit is gluten-free. Well, of course it's gluten-free, you know, as long as there's nothing else. You know, it's really hard to screw up an organic grapefruit that's wrapped in its own skin.
1: You know, I mean,
0: I'm sure at some point they'll figure out something. But right now, the organic grapefruit that you grab is... Is a pretty good, you know. We're looking at a pretty good gluten-free whole food, you know. <laughs> but it's confusing, like you said. So offering that roadmap of of eating and and helping people sleep and you know offering yes, that wait. that road roadmap is time
2: awesome. out. Time out. Time out. But wait, I've been reading, and here you have to bear with me. You know, I've been off my meds, you guys. So. <laughs> um, you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. But <laughs> I've been reading that grapefruit isn't good with thyroid medicine or something. that uh, I don't know. I mean, I know you just picked that at random because it There's looked like a healthy food. And we were, but, but now that well, we're talking right about, about grapefruit. It's not good with
3: thyroid medication. Right. And in fact, m- grapefruit interferes with a lot of medication. So lots of eating medication. grapefruit is fine, but you want to do that. You really don't want any food. Um, or anything but water, ideally, in your system, within a two-hour window of taking your meds. So, uh, your thyroid medications—that's another variable there—is that you know there's so much discussion of am I on the right medication? Am I on the right dose? Well, how are how are we taking it? And right, um, right. So I, and you have to ask specifically, right? So this is something as a coach that I help people get to the bottom of. But when I say, well, are you eating anything with your thyroid meds? Oh no, I don't eat anything with it. Great. Well, are you drinking anything? No. So what are you taking it with? Just coffee.
1: (laughs) This is is happening a lot, right? Right.
3: You need to really ask because coffee is a food and that is something that will absolutely interfere. And so you really want to take your meds with water and have only water in your system um, for, I, you know, some people say 30 minutes. And I would say err on the side of more time and and not eat for two hours. And if that's too long, because you need to eat when you wake up, consider taking your medication before bed. So I take mine before bed. Oh. And, and that's the it off beauty day, of I'm it, on, right? I'm sorry? Go ahead, sorry. No, no. I oh, uh, so I have an empty stomach at that point, and I take it and go to bed, and then it's an empty stomach all night. And, and I, I do want to just throw in here something important is that when you work on whole systems, when you optimize your health overall, your sleep, your how you're eating, your digestive system, your hormone conversion, your happiness, right? I mean, your, your health is also about life choices and things like that. When you optimize that, you actually can need less and less medication over time. So I am on less than a third of what I used to take and feel better than ever. And so many of us who – and, and this, is, this is common. This is common for those who, as I said, become the CEO and really learn how to be, the, you know, be the, the really great boss of their bodies and their lives and maximize their health. They feel better because they're doing all this other healthy stuff and their bodies are working better. So while it's the norm in the medical community where they're not – working with patients on this level, they're only working with them on the medicine side, which is an important piece, but it's just a piece. Um, it's the norm in that world to need more and more medication over time. It's the norm in my world <laughs> and with, with clients I work with and this approach that I'm involved with for, you know, other people who are doing this kind of work. There aren't a ton of us, <laughs> but those who are doing this kind of work is actually the norm to need less and less and that can absolutely happen. Um so all of these things we're talking about eating right, sleeping well, um the right kind of exercise, they all contribute to just improving your system overall and improving your life overall and that can really optimize optimize your body and optimize your thyroid where you may not need so much supplement supplemented hormone.
0: Now that that would not apply just just for the listeners out there for people who have had their thyroid removed or have had a significant destruction in the thyroid tissue, correct, Robin?
3: Um, Yes and no. So I would certainly say that with a lot more caution. um, Those who have had their thyroid removed will always need some level of thyroid hormone supplementation. And some people who have not had their thyroid removed will always need some level of thyroid hormone supplementation. There's nothing wrong with needing it. I don't think the goal is to get off your meds. The goal is to feel great and have a great life, right? So... um, So you're correct. If you don't have a thyroid, you will need thyroid hormone in your system and you will need to take something to put it there. That said, however, you may, you would still want to do the work of a a full panel. You still want to assure you're on the right medication for you. So most of the time when people have a thyroid removed, they're automatically given Synthroid or Levothyroxine and that may or may not be the best option for them. Um, And think about this. So if you have, if you're on say, a T4-only drug, and you're not converting it well to T3 because your digestive system is a mess, you know you have a lot of digestive problems, challenges, or you're not sure how to eat in a way that feels good and works well for you, Um, then yes, once you optimize your digestive function, it is possible that you may need a little less because, yes, you will still need to take it, but you will be converting it better, and so you may not need as much, Now, again, that's a medical discussion. That's a discussion you would have with your doctor. But when people are working um, with me and working and taking control of their nutrition and their lifestyle and really employing good holistic nutrition strategies, they will sometimes start to feel a little over-medicated, a little hyper on the same amount of meds. And that's when I would say, you need to go see your doctor for a recheck, you know, or – you know, some people order their own labs. In most states, you can actually privately order your own labs online, but then, of course, you need a doctor to review those and make a change to your medication. So we keep a very close eye on that, and, and when that happens, it could be kind of exciting. It doesn't feel good <laughs> to feel over-medicated, but when you're feeling a little over-medicated on the same amount, it could mean that you would do well with a, a slight reduction, but again, that's something that, um the doctor would need to oversee.
0: And that is very cool to have the coaching from you uh, to do that. I mean, that's a great, amazing service that you offer. So, Robin, as you can see, we're getting close to um, letting you go here, but I want to ask you, because you have so much amazing information to offer people, can you tell us something that we haven't covered that you really, really want the listeners to hear um from you. And by the way, how do you say your last name? Is it a
3: root? Oh, Aret? that's a great question. <laughs> I'll start with that one. That's, that's a quick one. Uh, my last name is Arritt, and the best way to Arut. remember it is it rhymes it rhymes with carrot. It rhymes with a vegetable. Carrot. It's not spelled that I will way. never forget a- that, and I apologize for yeah. say
1: wrong,
3: but now you'll know how to say it.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Oh and what we do you want even to listen to here? I know. I feel so bad, Robin. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're certainly
3: not the only ones. Don't worry.
0: Eret. <laughs> uh-huh. I will never names. forget that. Okay. Eret with carrot. it <laughs> like carrot. Carrots are healthy. I Robin is healthy. In, We're good. I will education,
3: <laughs> and I have kids all over the country, and I used to do intervention work with students and teacher training with teachers years years ago, and um, I have students all over the country who would call me Miss Carrot, <laughs> and that was fine with me, so. Anyway, um okay, so yeah, I do have one thing I would like to add um and, and this is kind of the the message of the whole what I call the whole body approach to dealing with thyroid disease, is that it's really, really important that we learn all we can about thyroid, learn all we can about what we can do, our role, what we can ask for, you know the right tests, the right levels, all of those things about thyroid, but go beyond the thyroid. We need to feel well. We need to have great lives. I I really believe, just my own spiritual belief, is that those of us who are given this kind of challenge, you know, the challenge of just getting up and living in our lives every day, I first want everyone to know that you can get better, that your body really can get better. And, you know, the definition of better may vary for different people, but our bodies really are divinely wired to know what to do if we give them the support to do it and remove the blocks and feed it. (laughs) Feed it what it needs, take away what it doesn't, Um, and that might not all be about food or or medication. Um, So first have faith in your body and that um, you're being given a gift. And being given a gift of kind of empowerment We're kind of being pushed to be in the driver's seat, pushed to make decisions for ourselves and to step up and say, this is working for me and this isn't. And many people who have this kind of illness For whatever reason, we're not people who were able to do that easily before. So there's a gift in there that will help you, and you can feel better. The second is to really, as I said, go beyond the thyroid. If you're talking with your doctor endocrinologist or otherwise about getting a full panel done, get your other hormones tested too. Because your thyroid, your adrenal, and your reproductive hormones are all intertwined. And it really does make sense to get your reproductive hormones tested, especially if you are a, a pre-menopausal woman. Um, I wish this was something done at, at regular checkups every year, but I hope I live to see the day where that happens. Um, but, but as much as we need to demand a full panel of thyroid tests, we also want to demand, you know, reproductive hormone tests, ask for your cortisol test. Why not? You know, this is all good information. And to also go beyond the thyroid and that we need to know how to eat, how to live, how to make good choices that support our energy and support our sense of feeling nourished and taken care of in the world. And that these are all things that contribute to our healing. And it's never going to just come in a bottle with a thyroid label on it. That <laughs> this is a doorway to bigger, better, more fundamental healing and so, looking beyond the thyroid is really, I feel, where the big answers come. And that's where life can really change and people can feel great and uh, do what they're meant to do on this earth, <laughs> fueled with the strength that they got from having been sick in the past. Flower field. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I think Flower you know, field so a wonderful, I have to take Robin. Notes.
2: I know. I'm so glad I am to take notes. This is on, you know, archived, and and, um, thank you to Tiffany for reminding me of that because one day I asked her, Robin, if if we were taking notes because it was such good information. I don't remember who we were talking to, and she was like, you know what, honey? This is an archived show. You can go back and listen to it anytime you want. (laughs) So I'm going to need to go back and listen to some of Robin's things and take my notes, and yes, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm so glad it
3: was helpful. Um, I really am. And I also, if anyone else is feeling like they want this on paper, um, again, a lot of the the things that I talk about, you know, I can't, there's only so many people I can see one-on-one, and I really took a lot of the fundamentals that I work with with people and made them available for free on my website. So if you go to happyhealthythyroid.com, That's happyhealthythyroid.com. You can sign up to get um, kind of my nine most common tips on on plugging these changes into your life each day. You'll get one each day, and at the end there's a guide that puts all of those into a guide for you. Because it can be a lot to to handle at once, and I found that just providing this to people in a step-by-step manner has has been really helpful. So everyone can feel free to grab that.
0: Oh, and I love the site. It's it's just beautiful and so inviting, Robin. It's it's just, and I love the seedling at the top because Dan and I always <laughs> talk about planting seeds, you know, with people, and so that was a very much resonated with me. I was like, oh, that's very cool. It's a beautiful, beautiful site, and there's so much information there, and you have so many wonderful services to offer people. And um, I would say uh, we could talk a little bit also about your coaching that you do uh, on there. Give us a quick rundown of the services that you offer um, to patients and also uh, other people that might have interest in becoming a health coach.
3: Sure. Yeah, so... I do several things in my practice. So one thing is I've actually created a course for other health professionals or um, specifically health coaches and non-medical practitioners on how to really effectively work with thyroid disease, how to recognize the signs, how to help guide clients through the process of discovering this and um, how to effectively work with doctors and then do all of the non-medical work with the client step-by-step to help clients really craft a, a healthy life that supports their their, their body as well as they can. So that's one piece that I do. That's specifically for health coaches. Um, but in terms of my work with clients, it it varies. So I offer single consultations where so many people who have not ever had someone really look at their entire history, all the labs, all the all the clues, and put them all together. So every time one sees a new doctor, they often, the doctor will order what they want to see and give feedback, but it's rare that someone's really stepped back and looked at everything. So we do, it's an in-depth 75-minute session, and I work by phone with many people throughout the country. So we don't need to live in Austin for this. I do phone consults very frequently. In fact, the majority of what I do is by phone. And um, we develop a personalized plan of action based on, your specific needs, history. And that plan of action might be you know, finding the right doctor. It might be what to do at your next doctor appointment, what further labs you need. I'll do lab reviews from a you know, holistic nutrition perspective, um, food, all that stuff. So a lot of people after one session feel like they have more hope, more clarity, and more direction than they've ever had. So that's one service that I offer. And then those who want to work with me longitudinally to really plug in those changes over time or who feel like they may need more support can work with me, you know, in that way where it's a weekly session and um they have access to me over email. So it's really truly like having a coach. You've got someone on the other line on the other end helping you plug in these changes, making very personalized suggestions that work for you in your life. And those those private health uh, health coaching programs vary in length. It can be four weeks, it can be three months. It just depends on what people need. Um, My goal is always to get people to a place where this is sustainable on their own. So I think that that's what change is. If it feels like deprivation, it's not going to (laughs) last. But if it feels like this is doable and I feel great, it it can. Um, And then finally, coming up uh, later this year, (laughs) this has not even been announced yet, um, I will be leading an online course for thyroid patients. Where we'll Exciting. go uh, we'll meet once a week online, We'll also provide materials and guides, and we'll have a private Facebook group where people can ask questions and get help, where I will go over the things as I said, there's only so you know when you're working with people one on one I know there's so many people out there who need this information, so this is a way to be able to provide information to people in a group setting where we really go through the steps. Of creating the most happy, healthy thyroid life we can, um, step by step, together, week by week, online, and so that's going to be happening later yes. this fall. And, and, the, and that so will that's find out that about be,
1: be that on her, her
3: website. We, yeah, we'll be on the website, and those who have signed up for the the nine steps to energize the whole body approach uh, to a happy, healthy thyroid on the website will be on the list, and they will be the first to be notified when that registration opens for the course, for the online course. I'm really excited that's about cool. that. It's going to be great.
2: I can't wait. And, of course, I'll have all so the information. Fun. We just love Robin. Thank you so, so very, very much for joining us. You were fabulous. We hit our flower field several times, and that's <laughs> a good thing. So
3: thank you, Robin.
2: <laughs> I really appreciate you sharing your Sunday with us. And thank we'll you, Robin. Thank you so much.
3: Thanks and thanks for letting me be in your flower field for a while. It was great. Oh, <laughs> I you're loved so it.
2: Welcome. Thanks for I all the work that. you both
3: do. It really it really was an honor to be on with you. And thank well, you for me. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. How great. How great uh, was
2: that. Okay, so let me just um jump right through the flower field and say, do not forget to tune in next week. We have Dana Trentini of hypothyroidmom.com live. We're going to do a couple different things uh, with that, uh, maybe being able to have people ask some questions uh, that we pose to her and choose them live on the air. So that will be really cool. So um, thank you for listening. Thank you for for joining us today. We really appreciate it. United we heal.
0: United we heal. Tax day is coming. Oh, no.